How many still happy in the Lord? Praise God. Isn't it a good spirit here? Amen. I tell you, I just love the presence of the Lord and what He does. Thank God for just the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank God for the feeling. We don't go by feeling, but it sure does feel good every once in a while. Amen. To know that the Spirit of God is real and He manifests Himself. You know, it's just like a person in your home. I mean, if they never touch you, never speak, and never uh, make no noise in the house, you don't know if they're there or not there. But you know, when they come up, put their arm around you and say, I love you, you just sense and feel and know that they're there. I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit's here this morning. Amen. And we just want to thank God for what He's doing. I, I want to share something with you this morning. You know, I, I don't have just sermons, you know. Uh, I have a message. And all of the sermons connect to the message. And the thoughts that God gives me connects to one message. And that message is Jesus crucified, buried, and risen from the dead. The message of the cross. That is the message. And when you begin to read all of the epistles of Paul to the churches in the New Testament and Peter and and John, they're talking to the church. It's all about what Jesus did and what what He accomplished for us on the cross and through His resurrection. So thank God we're free this morning. Amen? Now, there's a lot of people in this world that are captive to the will of Satan and they're in bondage. Now, they're not all bad people. You know, there's a lot of people that are not, quote, bad people. Amen? Now, I've known some bad people. (laughs) And it seems like that everything about them is bad. Every thought, every word, every action, everything is bad. But there's, there's a lot of people that are not considered bad in that sense that are in captivity to the devil. They're in bondage, and incidents and the environment that we're raised in and what they were raised in have shaped our thinking and our actions. Now, you know, you may not say, well, no, not me. I'm my own individual person. But you think about it for just a minute. What's your great-grandma and great-grandpa and then what's your grandma and grandma, and what's your mom and daddy, it all kind of comes down the line, doesn't it? They teach you things, and show you things, and you see things, and before you realize it, yeah, someone come up to me and said, you're just like your daddy. Well, I take that as a compliment, because my daddy was a good man. Hallelujah. But, you know, incidents and environments. But many are captive. There's a lot of people that are captive and in bondage, due to their religious training and have not heard the truth of the gospel. Legalism keeps people in bondage. I'm not a legalist. I just believe in obeying the Word. (laughs) See, if you obey the Word, sometimes you're considered a legalist and old-fashioned. Well, if I'm old-fashioned, so be it. I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm in good group with a lot of old-fashioned people. Amen? I, I've heard preachers preach on, quote, TV, and I, I, I don't even, some of them I just don't know. They, they try to be hip, and they try to be relevant, and they try to be uh, what they're not. Uh, a, a, a 65-year-old man don't have to be like a 25-year-old guy, you know? Uh, don't have to dress like them, don't have to act like them, don't have to have all the antics that they do. Uh, you know, we... Thank God, as we grow, we mature. Amen? And some of you would just be appalled if I come in here one night and had my tennis shoes on, my tight blue jeans, and and my muscle shirt. I mean, you'd say, who in the world does he think he is? But before I'd ever get up here, my wife would already make me change clothes. Because you know what? We are who we are. And we just need to be who we are. But many are captive and bondage due to religious training that they've received and haven't been free yet. 
And the message of the cross brings us free. Nobody ever taught like Jesus did. I, I was reading some scriptures. We're going to get to those here. Uh, but his messages were filled with authority. When Jesus spoke, it was authority. He spoke as the Father would speak through him. He spoke with authority. He had truths and always relevant truths to that situation, to the thing that we're... Listen, I had a lady come up to me one time. They said, Brother Clarence, I was preaching on getting things in order spiritually in our lives and, you know, things of that order. And she said, you know, I, I like to hear messages on healing. I said, you do? She said, yeah, preach to me about healing and I'll be happy. I said, are you sick? Well, no, but I just like to hear preaching on healing. I said, well, God gave me this to preach because you need this right now. If we're going to grow, we've got to have the whole thing. Amen? But they were filled with relevant truths. And a lot of times when Jesus spoke, it, did, it seemed like he was, an unlo- he was in, an un- in an unloving way to the people. Especially when he talked to those scribes and Pharisees. The religious cult. Pharisees, I call them far as I see. Yeah, you'll run into those Pharisees in your life. As far as I see, Brother Clarence. Well, you know what? Uh, I don't want to see as far as they see. I just want to see the Word. Amen. The Word's the truth. But look at what he said in Luke 11, verse 52. I want to read this scripture because this is an example of, of, the, of the way that he spoke to the people. And look what he said. Woe to you, lawyers, experts, religious, <laughs> zealots. Woe to you. Now notice what he said. For you have taken away the key of knowledge. And you did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. This is Jesus talking. He said, you've taken away the key of knowledge. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What we need is the revelation knowledge. And I say that often, and I say it oft times. That's what Paul prayed in Ephesians, the first chapter. He said, I want you to, I pray that you'd have that spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And know the power of His resurrection and know the power that's in Him and what He did and what He wrought for us. And He seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion at the right hand of the Father. Then he goes on down in the second chapter, and he said, You who were dead in trespasses and sin, you who were in bondage, now then we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But the devil doesn't want you to have that knowledge. See, the devil doesn't want that revelation truth to come alive in our hearts. But once we get the revelation truth, I don't want to be one of those that's taken away the key of knowledge from people. Truth is what Jesus was, is, and what he spoke was truth. And the truth you'll know, and the truth will make you free. Sometimes we need to know what's wrong with us so we can get free from it. Amen? And as the truth is spoken... But a lot of people are not free in their spirit and their soul and their body due to the deception of Satan through the deceptive teaching that keeps people in bondage. You know what? I want to see the day when every one of us can be free mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. Wouldn't that be great? Every one of us. I, we preached the word, so, so we were considered a strong preacher of faith. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of preaching faith in Jesus. Not faith in Clarence Dalrymple, not faith in my hands. Not fa- no, faith in what he did. Faith in that knowledge. I'm guilty of it. I mean, I want to be guilty of preaching faith. And uh, I, I, we had a preacher come through one time, and 
and uh, we we had a full house at that time. And he come through, and and I'm he preached a great word. It was a great word. Nothing wrong with it. We need to be reminded over over and over and over sometimes, and just be reminded of what God's word declares. But that don't mean you know that you got to stay in bondage. You can still be free, but it's still good to be reminded. And he preached a great message, and he gave the altar call, and he wanted to pray for the sick. Nobody came up. He I said he said. Don't you have any sick folks here? I said, we used to, but not no more. God healed them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, that didn't mean we didn't have more people come in that needed healing. But at that particular service, we just didn't have anybody that needed any healing at that time. But it wasn't necessarily that the Word was wrong, but it was just that they were free. And it's God's divine will that every believer see who they are. God wants to, He wants you to see who you are. Sometimes people say, you're arrogant. No, I'm just confident. I'm confident in the fact that Jesus is Lord. I'm confident in the fact that I'm redeemed. I'm confident in the fact that what He did for me 2000, over 2,000 years ago, it's mine today. I'm confident in that fact. I'm confident in the revelation of the truth of God, that I'll know the truth, and the truth makes me free. Hallelujah. I'm just confident. Not arrogant. There's a difference in arrogance and being confident. I'm confident. I'm confident that if we agree together in prayer, God will honor our faith and will do what we're asking Him to do. I'm confident in that. I'm confident if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I'm confident in that. I'm confident if you preach the gospel message and people there that need Jesus Christ, they're going to be saved. I'm confident of that because the Word will prevail. Hallelujah. The Word always prevails. Now, so what I want and what I would desire is for you to know who you are and the victory that Jesus has given to all that believe. To all that believe. I want to go back to that key verse. The, these people, the scribes, the far, the far as I see, you know, <laughs> they said, Jesus said, you've taken away the key of knowledge. And you know what's happened in, in our society today? I believe in the grace of God more than anybody. It's amazing grace that we're here this morning. Grace is God's unmerited favor in our life. We don't deserve it, but He did it for us. Someone said one time, if you see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, he didn't get there all by himself. Amen? That's grace. See, where we are today, you're there because God put you there. And thank God, the, the grace of God in our life. But what's happened is the message of grace has gotten perverted to a degree. I have what we call greasy grace. That's where you slide in and out. How many ever seen people like that? One day they're on fire, next day they're not. One day they're rejoicing, the next day they're all down in the dumps. One day they got the victory, the next... Listen, and one day they're overcomers of things in their life, fleshly things, and they're overcomers, and the next time you see them, they're not overcomers. But they're in and out, in and out. But thank God for God's grace. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His love. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, a lot of people would never get free because if He just let them go that first time they slipped out, then that that's be it. But thank God God keeps wooing them back in, wooing them back in until they get that revelation knowledge of who they are. That key that God has for us. But Jesus came to liberate us, spirit, soul, and body. He came to announce liberty. I want you to read uh, over there in uh, Luke, the fourth chapter, the 16th through the 21st verse. I want us to read this together, if you will. Talk about Jesus. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was. See, Jesus even kept the customs of going to church. Worshiping the Lord. Doing what was required in that day of showing uh, 
respect to God Himself, Jehovah God. And he came to Nazareth where he had brought up his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Hey, let me, let me share something with you. Don't give me your ideas and dogmas. Tell me where it's written. Amen? It's got to be from the Word. It's got to be backed up by the Word of God. It's got to be backed up by Scripture. God has, listen, God just don't want just some haphazard stuff out. He wants the Word to be, everything you speak, everything you do, back it up with the Word. Amen? And you'll never get in trouble that way. But look what he said. He has handed the book, and when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. This is talking about him now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are, uh, who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. Now what's interesting here is when Jesus sat down, he sat down, in the seat of honor for the teacher, the rabbi. He sat down in that chair, and when people beheld him seated in that position, in that place, he said, today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. With your own ears, you're hearing the scripture of the Lord being fulfilled. Jesus is the Redeemer. Hallelujah. And he came to do all of these things. I, I was reading the other day, how many likes to read about a little history every once in a while? Uh, I, was, I was reading something in Zanzibar. It's an old city in East Africa. Uh, it's the home of the Swahili Institute, the official guardians of the Swahili language. But for nearly 300 years, it was the home of one of East Africa's largest slave markets. But something happened in Zanzibar. About 150 years ago, a man walked into Zanzibar with a message of freedom for those who were bound by slavery. David Livingston, David Livingstone, set thousands of slaves free. And even today, the name of David, David Livingstone commands deep respect in East Africa as he saw those slaves liberated and gave them a message and proclamation. And today in Zanzibar, a Christian church actually sits on the very site of that former slave market. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, I had a friend of mine down on the, on the, in the valley, in the Rio Grande Valley, that uh, he used to, he, he, was a, he was a rebel rouser when he was, <laughs> before he got saved. He, he, he'd drink, get drunk, and, and uh, all this stuff, and he'd go to the dance hall, and I mean, he'd kick up his legs and his heels and, and uh, do all of the stuff that people do in the dance halls. And, and then when he got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, Lo and behold, that dance hall went out of business, and guess what? He bought that dance hall and called it and started the church in it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so where where it was a place of sin, God replaced it with a church of the living God. Hallelujah. And where David Livingstone had uh, done that, there's a Christian church that sits on the very site. And the very same platform that used to display slaves as they were being auctioned off is now the platform that holds up the altar in that place of worship. Isn't that amazing? I like history. To see what can happen in people's lives. But this is a picture of what Jesus does in the hearts and lives of His elect. We're, we're, we're the elect of God today. And what the Lord's done is He's liberated us. There was a story of one of the slaves that was not aware of the new freedom. And someone had to convince them that they were free and not slaves any longer. Praise God. See, there's some people today that don't have the joy of the Lord because they're still enslaved. They don't have the peace of God because they're still enslaved. They don't realize that Jesus gave a proclamation one day, I've come to, set the broken, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And to set those that are oppressed or free. I've come to heal. I've come to bind up. I've come to, to, to deliver. I've come to redeem. 
People haven't got that message in their heart yet fully. The, I, I listen, there's a lot of people that just go to church, but they haven't got that full revelation of Jesus and the freedom that's theirs. We're free. We're free in the Lord. Now, don't shout it down because I'm doing so good now. God's good. We're free. But Jesus comes to us. He meets us at our very point of shame. I want to tell you something. There's not a person in here that doesn't have a testimony. Some people's testimony seems greater than others. But I want to tell you what. Whether you ever did anything terribly, terribly bad, but you were still without Christ, it took the same grace to save you as it does the alcoholic, the drug addict, and those that are out there in bondage. It takes the same grace of God. God's grace reaches all. Thank God for the grace of the Lord. Can you say amen? But God meets us at our very point of shame. He meets us right at the very place where uh, darkness is holding us captive in our hearts and our lives. He meets us right there and makes His grace reign in that very place, the grace of God. God's, God's favor. God's love. But I don't want to stop there. Because... There's, some, there's another side of grace that we need to get a hold of. And this is what Jesus was talking to those lawyers and those scribes and Pharisees about. He said, you have, you have uh, actually uh, what he, he taken away the key of knowledge. People don't want people to know for some reason. I'll tell you what, I want everybody to know what the Lord's done for them. Praise God. God's no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. God's no respecter of Christians. God's grace is in our life. His ability is in our life. His power is in our life today. But Jesus, He came to set us free. Thank God we're free. Look at John eight twenty one through 29. Then Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. And you will seek me, and you'll, you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. In other words, he's talking to people that's not accepted him. He said, I'm going away, and you'll seek me, and you'll die in your sin. And where I go, you cannot come. It's pretty simple, isn't it? If we're not saved, we're not going to heaven. I know that I've seen people do bedside confessions unto the Lord. But you know what? God's grace is there. And God accepts it. But I tell you what, I don't want to tell people to take a chance on it. Because what happens if you don't have time to repent? What happens if you didn't have time to say, I'm, I, I, I ask you to forgive me, Lord? What, what happens if, if you don't? Sometimes you're snuffed out of life just like that. Just in a moment, twinkling of an eye, it happens. And people, and I don't want to be guilty of telling somebody, you know, God understands. No, God doesn't understand. I was, I was in one church one time and I made a statement and I, I got kind of reprimanded on it. I said, uh, uh, I said, you know, that people come in and say, God loves you just like you are. And I said, I'm going to stand here and tell you, God does not love you like you are. He loves you. But He doesn't love us like we are. If we've got things in our hearts and lives, God doesn't love us like we are. God wants His grace to operate in us. And He wants to see us free. I don't know about you, but I want to be what God wants me to be. Amen? But look what He said now. So the Jews said, will He kill Himself? Because He says, where I go, you cannot come. And He said to them, you are from beneath, I'm from above. He gets pretty stout with them, doesn't He? You're of this world, I'm not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, and if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Then they said to Him, Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? They did not recognize Him as the Son of God. They didn't recognize Him as the Messiah. And I want to tell you something. We have only been introduced to a Jesus that someone has told us a story about a lot of times. And we don't really know Him. Now, 
don't get me wrong, we still have to do what we do. We still teach and we raise up our children in the ways of the Lord and we put the Word of God in them. But what I'm saying is, listen, there's people that never know Christ. They're a member of a church, but they don't know Christ. I told you about the man I was working with. He was a foreman at one of the jobs I was on back years ago. And, and uh, my goodness, he could cuss up. He, I mean, it embarrassed me. And, I, of course, I didn't cuss. And, I mean, it embarrassed me anyway. But, uh, I mean, it, it would even embarrass the rankest sinner. I mean, you know, some of the words that come out of his mouth. And then, then we were all sitting around talking, some of us preacher guys from the Bible college. We were sitting around talking. And he said, oh, he said, I, I'm a Sunday school teacher, and I just taught my Sunday school class Sunday and told him this. I said, we all looked, and we dropped our Coke or whatever we was drinking, you know, and dropped it on the floor. We said, what? You're a Sunday school teacher? Well, yeah, I, be, I belong to such and such church. I've been there for years. and and But you know what? He had never been changed, never been saved, never been born again. But the, this is what the Pharisees were saying. Well, who are you? And then Jesus said to them, What I've been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say to you and judge concerning you, but you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand what he spoke to them of the Father. They didn't understand what he was talking about. There was no understanding, no revelation. Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And look at the 30th verse in John 8. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Many of those who heard him speak that day believed in him. Now, what I want you to see something here is the fact on this word believe. God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. How many know that's a familiar scripture? But it, notice what it said. God loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, as, as I begin to look at that word believe, it, it's, it's the same term, you, you can believe in something or believe unto something. You can believe in Jesus, but you've got to believe unto and to re- believe what He did for us and what he, why, how He suffered for us and the crucifixion on the cross and what He did. And when He went to the lower regions of the earth, came forth victorious on that third day, victorious over all the powers of darkness and all the demon spirits of hell had to bow down to Him. Amen? <clears throat> so, believe in, and it's also the same word as, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, there's in Romans the 6th chapter, you, those who have been baptized in Christ, Jesus have been baptized into His death. <clears throat> so we believe in the Lord, and we're baptized into the Lord. Baptized, dipped, immersed. I still believe in immersion. <clears throat> I was preaching one time in a Methodist church, and I was just teasing. They had a glass of water up there, and I was going to drink, get a glass of water after I got through preaching, and and they said, oh, we're having a water baptism tonight. I said, oh, I put the glass down. I said, I forgot. <laughs> I think God has a sense of humor, too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but Jesus sets us free indeed. If you abide in me, Jesus said this. And my words about in you, this is still in John 8, 31, 32. You are my disciples indeed. And look at what he said. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God gives us faith to believe in Jesus. 
and we immerse ourselves in His Word. I, I enjoyed that teaching this morning, getting him, getting into the Word, and come to know the truth, and we begin to live in the freedom from slavery to sin. We live in that freedom. Listen, I don't have to think about, am I going to sin today? I'm free. I'm free. The grace of God has reached down and picked me up and placed me in a position as a child of God and a son of the Lord. And now then, that other side of grace, that enabling power of God, the ability of God in you, how many knows you can't be holy in your own strength? There ain't no way. You can't be holy. Some of you have gotten mad and found out you weren't holy. Unholy words come out. Amen? But aren't you glad for God's grace? But what this, what, what the grace and the ability of God does... Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, by the ability of God. And over in Corinthians where he was talking about that thorn in the flesh in his body, and he prayed three times that God would remove it from from him, the, the Lord finally told him, said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is sufficient. In other words, that word grace there is talking about God's ability in you. See, oftentimes, and, and Paula brought it out this morning in the, in the class, uh, you, you know, if, if you go to a, a, a source of strength, and there's nothing wrong with some of these things that are out there for people to help them, but you're never going to be free as long as you confess that you're bound. Amen? You'll never be you'll never become a saint of God as long as you're confessing with your mouth, I'm a poor old sinner saved by grace. Well, we are poor old sinners and we are saved by grace, but don't keep saying it every day. We're no sinners no more. We're children of God. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have what God said we could have. We are who we are what God says we are. We can do what God says we can do. Amen. We have the ability of God. But now that God gives us the ability, that grace in our lives, that ability, we don't, not only do we have grace to put us in that position as a child of God, we've got the grace of God to give us the ability to be an overcomer. I don't get up every morning and say, I sure hope I don't sin today. You know, you're going to have plenty of opportunities anyway, so you don't need to get up looking for it. Amen. But I, I mean, but I don't get up every morning and say, "Well, I wonder what I'm going to do. I wonder where I'm going to trip up today." No, I get up in the mornings thanking God that I'm a child of His. I thank God that I'm redeemed from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm transferred where Jesus is Lord in my life, and I've got the power of God. The power of grace is operating in my life now, and I'm an overcomer. Hallelujah! Now. Some people have tempers, short, short, fused tempers. But you know what? God's grace will help you. Amen? You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. When we realize that we are somebody in Christ, nothing is going to keep us down because we know we're free in Jesus Christ. Amen? We're, we're not dominated by the flesh. We're not dominated by the powers of darkness. We have victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! I am free. I am a child of God. Proud to be a child of God. Hallelujah. I'm proud to be a Holy Ghost filled child of God. The power of the Holy Spirit's operating in our lives. And we have victory in the name of Jesus. So, listen. Whatever weakness. Paul said, I felt weak. And that's where, Paul, that's where the Lord said, when you're weak, I am Strong. God is strong when we're weak. Why? Because we've got the grace of God operating in our lives. But you see, as long as you've got that fair sickle knowledge that they were putting out into the people, 
And that's what Jesus said. You have kept the key of knowledge from them. The devil doesn't want anybody to know who they are in Christ. But once you realize who you are, devil, you better watch out for me because we're going to win some victories today. And not only for ourselves, but for other people we're going to come in contact with because the power of the Holy Ghost is in you. Victory's ours. Salvation's ours. Holy Ghost is ours. Can you say amen? So freedom has to do with us remaining in God's Word. See, if the devil can get you out of the Word and get you away from the things of God, get you out from what God has said about you as a believer, and get you out of that, then he's got you whipped. But if you'll stay and remain in God's Word, you're going to keep the freedom that God's given you. Praise the Lord. We're free indeed. Hallelujah. We need to act like we're free indeed. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. See, the, some people don't want you to know, oh, well, you know, you, you know you're know, you going to sin a little bit tomorrow now. Don't you get down in the dumps over that because, you know, you just don't have the, you just don't have the gumption about you to just be holy. No, we're holy because he's holy. We're victorious because he's victorious. We're healed because he said by his stripes we were healed. We got the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength and He is my joy. I have the peace of God that passes all understanding that keeps my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It's His peace that He's given me. So the truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. Praise God. Hallelujah. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a sorrowful spirit drives the bones. I know I've told this little story before. This little five-year-old girl in our children's church, she took a big jawbreaker, put it in her mouth, and her big sister put one in her mouth, and they were just kind of making fun of each other. Hey, mine bigger than yours. And little Micah was opening her mouth. She goes, hey, no, mine bigger than yours. And she swallowed that jawbreaker. She was giving her testimony to me one night before church sitting on the altar. She said, Brother Clarence, she crossed her little legs, five years old. She said, I got a testimony to tell you. She said, the devil tried to kill me this week. I said, really? She said, yes. My sister and I put that jawbreaker in her mouth, and she said hers was bigger, and I was going to say mine was bigger, and I swallowed it. And Brother Clarence, it got hung in my throat. I was choking and gagging. I was losing, I was losing consciousness. I mean, she talked like a little adult. She said, but I remembered the Scripture. That was the children's church Scripture and their battle cry. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a sorrowful spirit drieth the bones. And she said, Brother Clarence, I remembered that Scripture. And she said, I was determined to go ahead and laugh. And I laughed and popped. That thing just popped out of my mouth. She said, I'm alive to tell you about it. Hallelujah. Well, so what was happening there? The truth made her free. Amen? If you're down in the dumps today, the truth will make you free. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the devil can't do nothing about it. Hallelujah. It's not the circumstance that is is overpowering you. It's, it's the fact that you're allowing your mind to dwell on that. And the thing is, what we do, we have, we have to do like little Micah. Remember the Scripture. And if it means you've got to laugh out loud at the devil, just do it forcefully and just force yourself to laugh and let the joy of the Lord explode in your spirit and see what happens. I'll tell you what will happen. You're going to be free. Hallelujah. Something's going to take place because the truth will make you free. The truth makes us free. Hmm. We're free. Everybody say, I'm free. 
You know what the Jews told Jesus? We've never been slaves to anyone. <laughs> this was a statement that they made. But Jesus said in verse 34 of John 8, Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. That's pretty powerful. Pretty pertinent. Whoever sins is a slave of sin. Therefore, declaring these Jews and all of us in the whole world that they were slaves of sin. Because sin was was uh, haunting them. Now, there's there's two... I'm going to just give this real quick. There's habitual sin. Many people have been caught in the trap of sin, confess. Sin, confess. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? People have been caught in that trap. If you sin, well, confess. Then they sin tomorrow, confess. They sin. It's, a, it's just a habitual thing that's happening in their lives. They can't seem to break the cycle of sin from their lives because they're just continually giving in, and then they confess, and then they do it again. Habitual. Habit. Habit. Everyone knows a habit's a hard thing to break. You take the H off of habit, and you still got a bit. You take the H-A off of habit, and you still got bit. And if you take the H-A-B off of habit, you still have it. It's a hard thing to get loose from a habit. Amen? But thank God we can be free from habitual, habitual sin in our life. Amen? We can be free from habitual sorrow in our life. Habitual unthankfulness in our life. We can be free from that if we'll realize what it is. You know the old Flip Wilson cliche, the devil made me do it. You know, some of y'all old enough to remember that. <laughs> the devil made me do it. I don't know what the I don't know what the cliche is today amongst the young folks today. I haven't been out there amongst all the young folks, but 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 it's still the same thing. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. It's easy to just put everything off on the devil, amen. But let no man say in James 1, 12, verse 15, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. That's what James said about it. When we are lured into the things and the flesh, that's what happens. So there's habitual sin. There's a generational sin. Now, I believe that when we're born again, I believe that when you're born again, the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You've got royal blood flowing through your veins, and now you're called a son and a daughter of the Lord. We don't have to have generational curses. I've had people, I think sometimes they just use it as an excuse, you know. Well, my, my great-uncle was an alcoholic, my great-great-uncle was an alcoholic, my great-great-grandpa was an alcoholic, and that just going down the line, you know, and it's just in the, in the family line. Well, you know what? We broke the family line when we accepted Jesus Christ. We're part of a new family today, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? We're, we're part of Him, and He's victorious over all the powers of darkness, all the... Listen, <laughs> when you begin to read the Gospels... Everything you read in those Gospels is talking about what Jesus did for you and the victory that's yours right now. You have victory. You're not going to get the victory. So, you know, the family here, listen, I look back on my family tree and I quit looking back on it. I tell you, we had some rascals in my family. I was over in Scotland, went to a little village called Dalrymple. I've got a little name over there. I've got my picture made in front of the sign in front of the little community there, Dalrymple. And uh, the Dalrymples ruled in Scotland. And I, I got the history of it and, and uh, where that came from, the name. And, and, and the, the, the Dalrymples were the lawmakers. They made the laws and they kept the law and made sure it was law. They enforced the law. They were enforcers. And so then I was reading about this little village of Dalrymple, you know, and, and uh, come to find out his daddy was a, a tyrant and, and then the son of uh, of this uh, Dalrymple, he he massacred a whole village. 
And when I read that, I said, dear Lord, I slammed that book. I said, I don't want no part of this in Jesus' name. (laughs) But you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't know if that was in my lineage or not down through the line. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm born again. Holy Ghost filled. I belong to Jesus Christ. The generational line has been broken. Hallelujah. I've got a new generational line, and that's it of Jesus. And we've got a holy lineage. And victory's ours in the name of Jesus. So we don't have to go by all that generational stuff. Listen, you get in trouble when you start trying to find out. You may find out you had a lot of horse thieves in your family. Some of them got hanged. <laughs> Amen. Especially up in this part of the country. I mean, you know, they, that stealing horse is, is, is a cardinal sin. I mean, you know. And uh, so, <laughs> I'm not magnifying sin. I'm just pointing out the fact that the sin problem is solved when you believe. Amen. Now, I'm not talking to people here this morning that are involved in some hideous sin, but we all got little sins of the flesh, things that we have to deal with, things that we have to confront on a daily basis, on a daily basis. But the thing that I'm pointing out is that the sin problem is solved when we believe. We're not trying to believe. We believe. And therefore, we are free. Amen? I believe. Therefore, I'm free. You believe. Therefore, you're free. Victory's ours. Victory's ours. I, you know, it, <laughs> Jesus said in second, or Paul did in Second Corinthians five verse twenty-one, for him, him, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become righteous, that we were not righteous, but we might become righteous through Him, and therefore we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. When the devil attacks my body, I say, Devil, (laughs) this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, get out. You're trespassing. Get out. Get out. When those thoughts of evil come in your mind, devil, my mind belongs to the Lord. I have the mind of Christ operating in me. And I've got the mind of peace and joy. And I've got the mind of the Lord. Praise God, I'm going forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. We all are victorious in the Lord today. And listen, it doesn't matter what it is. The message is we've been made free. We know the truth. And the truth makes us free. We're free. We're free. Listen, you can't get up in the morning and say, I don't feel like I'm saved. Don't go by your feelings. Because you don't go by what you feel. You say, I am saved because I believe Jesus died for me. He was buried and resurrected for me. And through His blood, I've been redeemed. That's what we do. Praise the Lord. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. First Peter went, goes a little further. He said, by the stripes, we were healed. It's ours. It's ours. Now listen, don't condemn yourself if you've got some pains and aches and things that you're believing God for right now. You just go ahead and say and claim it in Jesus' name. Say, I am the healed. I am healed because Jesus paid the price for me. And you know what? The manifestation will catch up with you before long. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes we get so concerned about the manifestation that we forget that God just says, believe me. Believe me. And when we believe, God will bring forth the victory that's ours in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Do you love him this morning? Lift your hands and just thank God for the word. Father, we thank you because your word's truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's stand our feet today. Hallelujah. Do you love Him? Do you love Him? You know, I'm going to speak forth boldly to those that are here under the sound of our voice today. You're free. And you're free indeed. Because Jesus has redeemed us. He paid the price. He paid the price. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So what we're going to do, we're going to praise Him.
How many is ready to praise Him one more time? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all of God's people praise the Lord. Lift up those holy hands. Shake off those heavy bands. Let all of God's people pray. One more time, just make the devil mad. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all of God's people praise the Lord. Oh, lift up those holy hands. Shake off those heavy bands. Let all of God's people praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand and praise Him today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We praise You, Jesus. We praise You, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Did y'all get anything out of that today? (laughs) I made myself happy whether you got happy or not, so praise God. (laughs) Amen. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Praise God. God is so good. I believe that as we took communion today, God ministered to some needs. Healing is yours. It belongs to you. And I want us to leave here thanking God that we're the healed. We're the redeemed. God's victory is our victory. Amen. Father, we just thank you now. We just praise you. We just glorify your name for what you've done what you are doing in the name of Jesus. God, we just give you praise now and thank you. Thank you for the victory that's ours. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We'll hug somebody's neck because you love them. See you all tonight at 6. God bless.